Masechet Kiddushin, Daf Mem Tet. We saw the Mishnah that if a man tells a woman, be mikodeshet to me with this wine, but it turns out to be honey, honey is more expensive than wine, or the other way around, any change that he makes in what he says, according to Tanakama, is no good, right? Because she had in mind that particular thing, that he's rich, that he's poor, that it's gold, that it's silver, and so he has to deliver the same thing. If he changes, either way, both for something better or something worse, Kiddushin is no good. The Bishimon, however, said, if he tricked her, but it turned out to be something better, that's not called a trick, that's called a surprise. Right? Oh, surprise, I'm actually rich. Surprise, I told you it was silver. Surprise, it's actually gold. As long as it's something better, then the Kiddushin is good. We assume that she would be happy with that, and all the more so, she would agree to marry him. Uh, now we ask about that. Hold on. Doesn't Bishimon know the Mishnah in Baba Batra? That if we have a, a sale and um, you sell me wine, but it turns out to be vinegar, or uh, you sell me vinegar, I say, you know, this is vinegar, I buy vinegar, and you give me wine. Both of us can go and renege on the deal. Not only if it goes from, not only if it's bad for me or bad for you, even if it seems to be good. Let's say I come to you, I want to buy vinegar. You give me wine. Now, wine is more expensive than vinegar. So you might say that uh, the, I, the buyer, I got something better and therefore I cannot go back, uh, go and return it. But that's not true. The Mishnah says I can return it even if I thought it was vinegar. And it turns out to be wine. Why? Alma ika denichale bechalav, ika denichale bechamra, hachaname ika denichale bechaspa, velanichale bedahava. It's because sometimes I want vinegar. I'm eating a salad and I go and I want to buy vinegar to put on my salad. You give me wine. I don't want wine on my salad. Even though wine's more expensive, that's not what I asked for. And so I come and return it because that's not what I want. And so sometimes when you want when you want vinegar, you want vinegar and not wine. And so that's the principle that we see in the Mishnah. And therefore, we should apply the same principle here. Sometimes uh, a woman wants silver and not gold, even though gold is more expensive. Maybe she, for example, has a matching earring and a and a bracelet that's silver, and then she wants a ring that will match it, and she wants a silver. And if it's gold, it's not going to match. So there could be cases where somebody might prefer some uh, something, even though it's objectively a less expensive item and therefore the Bishamon should agree to this Mishnah and therefore should agree with the Tanakama that uh, if it's if it deviates from what the guy said he was going to give um, then the Kiddushin should be no good all right so we're going to accept this um, this Mishnah and that Bishamon must agree with this Mishnah and therefore we're going to have to reinterpret our Mishnah a little bit uh, we're going to have two uh, uh, two reinterpretations. Amar Rav Shimi bar Asher. Said, one time I saw uh, Abaye and he was explaining this Mishnah to his son, which is really nice just to imagine Abaye sitting and teaching his son and someone else coming, passing by and overhearing him. And we get the benefit of uh, that tradition of him overhearing, teaching his son. 
Okay, it's just the, the way it's told makes it very um, personal and intimate. Okay, so what is this Mishnah talking about? We're not talking about the, where the guy is speaking directly to the woman and saying, here is gold or here is silver, but rather the man, the groom, uh, tells a messenger, uh, can you, you do me a favor, lend me a silver coin and go take that silver, you don't have to give it to me, just uh, on my behalf, give it to that woman so that she'll be mikudesha to me. So the instructions of the man to the messenger were for a silver coin. This messenger on his own, he says, you know what, I want to upgrade uh, for, my, for the sender and I'm going to lend him a gold coin and give that to the woman. Now, the woman was not told either way whether she's going to get something gold or going to get something silver. Therefore, from her perspective, she just received something and she accepted it as as is, whatever it is. So that's why the Kiddushin is good, um, according to the Bishimon. Now, what is the Machloket about? The Tanakhama said, the, the, whole, the whole Mishnah is talking about such a case. Tanakhama says, when the husband sends the messenger with instructions, he means, he means that them, uh, in uh, uh, exact to be exactly uh, his particular that it should be silver and silver only he goes and uses gold the husband didn't want to give her gold first of all he's gonna to have to pay him back eventually maybe he doesn't want to pay back gold maybe he didn't want to show her spoil her that much and give her gold whatever his reason so therefore what you gave her gold that was not my instruction so he uh, whereas the Bishimon says when he said do me a favor and lend me a silver coin and do kedushin he was just giving an example it's indicating a place uh, uh, it's like giving a suggestion right well it takes some silver he didn't mean it has to be silver anything whatever you think is good I'm like recommending you know take something like silver or whatever and use it so the machloket here is not about what she th hears and receives everyone agrees that she has to receive the same thing that whoever does kiddushin tells her if a man says it's gold and he gives silver or silver and gold and turns out to be gold it's not good now we learned that from the mishnah Batra. you have to give what you're going to say here we're talking about how do we how to interpret language that a sender says to a messenger when a sender says particular language is he exacting or is he just giving a suggestion and that's what Abishimon says it's okay because he's only giving a suggestion and Tanakama says no he meant silver and silver only now we challenge this interpretation of the Mishnah. If you look in the language of the Mishnah, it gives an example of a man saying directly to a woman, you be mekudesha to me. If it was a messenger speaking to the woman, the messenger would, would say, be mekudesha to him, to my sender. Um, and then it says, if he tricked her for better, that's in the Rabbi Shimon's words, it should say, should say the messenger misled the sender, right? Because no one's misleading the woman. No one told the woman anything. But rather, it's just it's the language between these two guys. Nimsa, and at the end it says, it turns out to be 
uh, gold turns out to be silver as if they and as, that refers to the woman she didn't know what it was she thought she was told it was silver and then turns out it was gold but in this case uh, the thing that was nothing different was told to the woman that she's finding out oh look it was it turns out to be gold she wasn't told anything she didn't think it was silver in the first place or gold in the first place he just said here baby kodeshit to my um, ascender with this um, so the language of the Mishnah does not fit the interpretation of Abaye that we're talking about a messenger that the husband sends. Rather, we're going to have another scenario where it'll also be about language of messenger, but this one will fit the Mishnah's words better. So me and the lion of the group, right, the first violinist, the best one in the Bet Midrash, we letargem. Targem, often we, we say means to translate, but of course every translation is an interpretation, as we're about to see in a few minutes. And so translate here means we uh, um, uh, limited we, we um, gave an explanation of this Mishnah that is only talking about this particular this particular case, where we kind of filled in the background of what the Mishnah is talking about. Okay, and uh, who is the lion of the Bet Midrah of the group? It's Rabbi Chiyabat Abin. This is a case of Kegon Shamra. He lishlucha sevekabeli kiddushai mepiloni shamalit kadeshili bedinar shel kesef. She's the one sending a messenger to receive the Kiddushin, and he, she says to the messenger, go and receive Kiddushin from this guy who said to me, I be mikudesha to me with this silver coin. Now, we don't know whether he actually said that language or not. It doesn't matter. The, only, the main point is that she is telling him, she is telling the messenger, I want you to go and receive Kiddushin from, for me with the silver coin, right? It doesn't matter if she's correctly quoting the Haggai if he ever said that or not. Um, so how do we parse this language? In the meantime, the messenger goes and receives a golden coin, but she told him, go and receive a silver coin. So the Tanakama says, she is exacting in her words. She said, I want you to go and go to that guy who said he's going to give me a silver coin. It didn't matter even if it didn't say that. Point is that she is saying, I want a silver coin and a silver coin only. That's gonna match my set. I don't I don't want a gold coin. And therefore it's no good because it goes against her wishes. Whereas uh, Rabbi Shimon says he, he was just giving she was just giving an example. Go and do get Kiddushin from that guy, right? Even if it's only a silver coin. Yeah, gold coin fun. I'm just giving you an example. Go and receive whatever coin, whatever he gives you. And therefore, the kiddushin is good. Um, so this again is not about whether, uh, if they were face to face, ever, even the bishimon would agree that if a man is give, it says here is a silver coin and gives her a gold coin, it's no good because he said explicitly what, and and she's expecting that. So then we have to assume that she wanted something in particular. Here we're talking about how to parse language that is said to a messenger. Is language parsed precisely, or is it? just giving an example. Okay, in this interpretation, the pronouns here, right, be mikudeshet, to me, is uh, is accurate because she is quoting something, what, what, what she thought anyway, what he said to her, 
So that's direct language. So it makes sense. Hit kachili and hit ah leshevach also makes sense. He had said, or at least in her mind, said that this is going to be silver or this is going to be gold. But what's the nimsa, which sounds like it's a surprise um, that, you know, uh, at the end, why don't they know what it is? Uh, we explained that it was wrapped in cloth. So the husband gave it to her messenger, uh, some coin wrapped in cloth. The messenger didn't, didn't see what it was and then brings it to her. She unwraps it and says, oh, this is gold. But I said, uh, go and receive something silver. So does she mean it has to be silver or not? So now the language can all read just fine according to uh, Dava's interpretation of the Mishnah. Okay, good. So that uh, that's the um, explanation and answer to that challenge to Tidabi Shimon. But now we got onto this topic of parsing language. We're going to see a couple of more examples. Not only the Bishimon that we just saw, but these two other Tanaim also agree with this principle that when someone says, gives instructions, and they say some details in the instructions, they're only giving a suggestion, they don't really mean it. Rabbi Shimon Behadamaran, we also sort of beat which one what Rabbi Shimon says, Rabban Shimon Ben Gamliel, Ditanan. And here we're going to see the example of Rabbi Shimon Ben Gamliel. Just, you know, uh, uh, as an example, if I ask someone, can you go to 7 Eleven and get me uh, Diet Coke? And uh, that messenger instead goes to a different store, right? In that case, I don't mean it has to go to 7 Eleven, I just meant like a suggestion. Can you do me go to the store, they go to any store, it's the same thing. Um, so that's a case where you'd assume that it's not particular in the instructions that it has to be that way. But there could be other cases where, no, I, I want to do it exactly this way for some reason. Okay, so how do we parse language? Ditnan, get pashut is a mishnah also vababatra. There's two types of gitin, a regular ordinary get, where the witnesses sign on the same side as the rest of the writing. But there's also a tied uh, get, uh, in which um, each is, looks like this. You write one line and then it's folded and the, and, the, and, the, and the witnesses sign on the back of it. And every time it's folded, they sign again on the back. These are two different types of gitin. Uh, if a kohen is divorcing someone, then he has to use the mikusha because it takes a lot longer. And that way, in the meantime, uh, uh, while the scribe is prepared, taking a long time to prepare it, maybe he'll calm down and end up not divorcing his wife. If, if it's not a kohen and, he, and then he changes his mind. He can always remarry her, but a queen cannot remarry his divorcee. Okay. But anyway, these are two types of gitin, and there were some places that used one, and some places that used other, and some people prefer this one and that one. Now here, what if you have a mistake? If you have an ordinary get, but then the witness is signed on the back, or a tied get, then the witness is signed on the front, it's no good. Says if it's a tide get and they wrote it on the front, so it's okay because you can just turn it into an ordinary get, right? Just unfold it and now it'll be an ordinary get. says it depends on what people generally do in that place. If everybody writes ordinary get and then uh, this husband orders a um, and, and this or, uh, husband orders an ordinary get, uh, this or, get, and then the scribe gives him something different, right? Then that's not what he wanted. Then that's not good. Now, this seems to be a non sequitur because, uh, what does Tanakh Kama think about Minhaga Medina? 
Um, so that's what we're going to explain. Does the Tanakama not agree? Right? Wouldn't he agree that if uh, I, I, the husband, I want to divorce my wife, and I ask the scribe uh, to write it one way, to give me a get, and he gives me something different from what I asked for, or something different from the usual custom, wouldn't he, uh, wouldn't Tanakama agree that that's not good because not what I asked for? So Ravashi explains, hey, you're right, if we're talking about a place where everybody in that city, in that town, uses an ordinary one, and that's what I wanted as a husband, and now the scribe, I asked the scribe to be my messenger, can you write that for me? And he writes me a tied one, or everybody does tied ones, and he writes me an ordinary one. Everyone would agree that in that case, my instructions were particular. I wanted the same one that everybody uses in that place. And now you didn't do, you didn't fulfill my my wishes, so that's an invalid uh, uh, messenger. But with, rather, we're talking about a case here where uh, in the same place some people do, we're using ordinary get, some people use uh, a tied get, and now this husband goes and tells a, a scribe, do do this for me um, and as a messenger and write me a, an ordinary one. And he goes and writes a tied one. So is that valid? Is that valid get or not? The Tanakama said, no, I meant particularly. I wanted this kind and you didn't make the kind I wanted. Therefore, you are not my messenger. It's not a good get. Whereas Rabban Shimon ben Gamaliel says, just giving him an example. Can you make me a, uh, an, order, an ordinary get. I didn't really care if it was this way or that way. I was just giving you an example, and therefore it is a valid get. Although it depends on the place, right? If it was a place where everybody does it, then I would. Then I do care. But if some people do this way, some people do that way, then I'm just giving you an example, and I don't care. All right, that's the example. El Azar. Uh, here in Mishnah in Gitin, a woman goes and tells, a uh, wife tells a messenger, go and receive a get for me from uh, uh, from Yafo. And the messenger goes and receives it for her in a different place, in Haifa. Um, so the Tanakhama says, no good, because that's not what she said. She said, I want it to be received in this place. I didn't appoint you to receive it in another place. But Abi al-Azhar says, it's fine, because this is literally Mar'eh Makom. She's indicating a place that my husband probably is in Yafo. I know he likes to spend time there, so go there. She didn't mean only receive it in there. She's just giving a recommendation, a suggestion. You receive it there because that's where he probably is. Oh, you found him in Haifa? Oh, I guess he went there. Yes, she was giving it just an example and therefore it's permitted. So that's a, yet a third Tanah that agrees with this principle that instructions giving, given to a messenger are just recommendations but not uh, don't have to be followed and if they're not followed exactly the messenger is still valid Ola is limiting Rabbi Shimon's disagreement even further and he says he only disagrees when there is a difference regarding money that if it's a case where it was uh, she thought she was getting silver but it turns out to be gold 
then Rabbi Shimon says, that's fine, it's good, because it's more money, um, and he would agree, even though Tanakhama says, no, people want exactly that thing. However, if it's a difference regarding lineage, then even Rabbi Shimon would agree that lineage up or lineage down is no good. Why? This is a great saying, right? A woman says, I don't want a shoes that are larger than my foot. Right? Regarding shoes, do you say, here, right? You wanted a, uh, I asked for a size 8. You gave me a size 10. So, right? Do you, can you say, I gave you a bigger shoe. It's even better. Isn't bigger, bigger better? Well, not necessarily. Now when it comes to shoes, right? A shoe that's too small, you can't wear. A shoe that's too big, also you can't wear. I want something the right size. I don't want something bigger. So there's an analogy also for uh, for for lineage and, and different classes. A person says, you know, I wanted to marry a uh, Yisrael. So I, I thought you were Yisrael. Turns out you're a Kohen. Well, maybe she says, I didn't want to marry, be married to a Kohen. Now that takes uh, means a certain responsibilities. Everybody says, oh, you're married to a Kohen. I have to live in your high society. It would be like today. If a woman, uh, a guy uh, marry, uh, marries a woman thinking that he's a commoner, turns out he's a prince. So she could say, I didn't want to be married to a prince. Well, you say, well, isn't that better to be married to a prince? Not, not, not necessarily. Now she has to go to the, all these uh, royal banquets and dress fancy and um, and be in the public eye. Right. Uh, some people like it, but not necessarily. Okay, so she says, I don't want uh, things that are too big for me. Or maybe she's like, I want to marry someone who is a lower class for me. She's in some, you know, she's a Levi. She wanted to marry Israel so she could feel more important than her husband. Now, she didn't want to marry a Kohen and feel lesser than him and be around friends or other people that are higher than her. She wanted him to be lower than it, whatever it is, right? People can be particular when it comes to money. Uh, so, okay, always better to have more than less. You can always give it away if you didn't want it. Um, but when it comes to lineage, she was particular. She wanted someone from this particular lower lineage, not necessarily someone from higher lineage. And therefore, even the Bishamon would agree that if he says one thing and turns out to be something else, even if it's a better lineage, it's no good. Tanyana Mehachi, we have a bright that supports Ula. Modere Bishimon im hitah le Shebach, Yochasin, ena mekodesh. The bright says explicitly, Ribo Shimon agrees that if he said wrong information to her um, about his lineage, even if it turns out he has a better lineage than he said, the Kiddushin is no good. Amaravashe, Matniti name daika de Katani, Amanacha Nikohen, Nimsa Levi, Levin Nimsa Kohen, Natin Nimsa Mamzer, Mamzer Nimsa Natin, Vela Padeg, Shimon. Our Mishnah, our Mishnah proves it. This is the continuation of, of our Mishnah that's on uh, Um And it reads, if a man says, uh, be Mikodesha to me, on condition that I'm a Kohen. And turns out he's a Levi, that's lower status. Or he says, on condition I'm a Levi, turns out he's a Kohen. Or he says, I'm a Natin. This is uh, someone who converts under uh, people who converted under false pretenses, and turns out he's mamzer. Or he says I'm a mamzer. Turns out he's natin, and it's no good. In all these cases, no good, whether it's higher or lower. And Rabbi Shimon does not disagree in that case. Rabbi Shimon disagrees in the previous case where we're talking about gold and silver and all that, but he doesn't disagree here. So that's a, that proves that Rabbi Shimon. Um, has no disagreement when it comes to differences of lineage. A challenge to Ravashe's proof, Matkifla Mor Bar Ravashe, from his own son, Ravashe's own son, challenges it. Ela de Katane, 
על מנת שיש לי בת או שפחה מגודלת ואין לו, ואין לו, על מנת שאין לו ויש לו, דשבח ממון הוא, החנמי דלה פליג, hold on, in the continuation after that of, the, of our משנה, uh, gives another case of a husband says, be מקודשת to me on condition that I have a daughter or a, uh, or a maidservant who's grown, a grown daughter or a grown maidservant. Now this is good to have because they help out around the house. In other words, come and be my wife and you're not going to have to do all the chores and everything in the house because I have a, gro- I have a maidservant or a grown daughter. It's true, you know, uh, 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 grown daughters do help out a lot in the house. So, um, and so this would be a good thing. Now, it turns out he doesn't have one. He was lying. Uh, so that's, that's worse. That's not good. Um, uh, or, or the other way around, if he, he says, uh, I don't have anybody in the house. And it, then, he, then it turns out, oh, surprise, I actually have a you know, live-in housekeeper. I have a grown daughter, and that, that could help you. And that is better in terms of money, right? That's a monetary benefit. It's like having um, you know, free labor. So, um, uh, um, uh, and here, uh, Rabbi Shimon does uh, also, the, would he not disagree? Certainly, Rabbi Shimon would disagree with this because this is a monetary benefit. So, Tanakama says it doesn't matter whether he has a maidservant it does, or doesn't have a maidservant, whatever he said, it's no good because Tanakama says any change is no good. But here, Rabbi, even though Rabbi Shimon doesn't, dis, doesn't say anything, can't be that he doesn't disagree because it's the same principle as as the our Mishnah. Rather, it must be that Rabbi Shimon stated his disagreement in the beginning of the Mishnah, that's our Mishnah above, and he also disagrees with the later Mishnah, the one about the maids uh, have a maid servant or a daughter. So here also, it must be that Rabbi Shimon stated his disagreement in the our previous Mishnah, and even though he didn't say so, he does disagree even when it comes to lineage. And so you see, uh, Rav Asheh, we don't have to read the Mishnah according to you, right? As doesn't it actually make more sense to read the Mishnah that Rabbi Shimon disagrees in all cases. And then, then and therefore, this would actually be a challenge to Ula because Rabbi Shimon seems to say he disagrees with everything above and everything in the continuation of the Mishnayot, including regarding lineage. So we reject that. No, not to compare. You can't compare the two next Mishnayot in the later, later Mishnah, which is about a maidservant, and that's also talking about money, right? Having a free, free, free housekeeping versus not free housekeeping. That's talking about money. So just like Rabbi Shimon argues regarding the gold and silver, certainly he would argue in that case also and say, it's always better if he said, I have no maidservant. And she does, he does have a maidservant, so all the more so it would be good. It's just the same principle. He doesn't have to say it again. But in the case of the Yochasim Kohen Levi, Levi Kohen, right, which uh, that has to do with lineage, if Rabbi Shimon disagreed, you'd have to say so because that's a chidush. Um, so therefore, and, uh, we can assume that regarding, uh, he, if he says you know, Levi, it turns out to be a Kohen, um, Rabbi Shimon agrees with Tanakama, it's no good. Any change in lineage is no good. 
And if it has to do with money, he already disagreed in the first one, and therefore that would be the same in the case of the maidservant. Uh, so Ula is confirmed, uh, even though Rabbi Shimon said it only once regarding Mamon, we can assume that Rabbi Shimon will disagree in any case that has to do with money, but he will agree with Tanakama in any case that has to do with lineage. That's one way to explain the coming Mishnayot. Um, uh, in, with, according to Ula, or another way, Ibaitema, Hachanam Shebach Yochasin, Misabarat Maimigudelet, Gedolamamash, Maimigudelet, Gedgadelet, Tamrahilani Khalida Shakla Mile Minai, Vazanadia Kameshi Shibabutai. Or another explanation is that you misunderstood that case of the uh, daughter and maidservant. Um, that also is a case that's more similar to lineage. Did you think Migudelet means grown, mean grown enough that she can help out, not like a four year old? can't do anything. No, uh, uh, rather, Migodelet means she's a hairdresser, right? He comes and says, the guy comes and says, Mimikodesha to me, I have a living hairdresser, right? My, either my daughter is a hairdresser or I have a maidservant who is a hairdresser. Isn't that good for you? You can get your hair done every day in-house for free. Uh, so it seems like it would be good, but she may very well say, I don't want my words to be taken and passed around the neighborhood, right? Where does gossip tend to be passed around? In the hair, at the hairdresser. Everybody talks while they're doing the hair. So she's going to have a hairdresser in-house watching everything that she's doing. Oh, did you know they had a fight last night? Did you know they have this problem and that problem? And this, she, then this maidservant or daughter is going to go do hairdressing and the beauty parlor and for other people and gossip about everything and so this wife coming in says wait you you didn't tell me you had a hairdresser he's like surprise right uh, isn't this good not necessarily good so this is not like money where if it's just about you know is a $200 better than $100 yeah, you could do more with 200 than with 100. You don't want to spend it, don't spend it. Um, but so this is not like, this is more like lineage where, oh, surprise, I'm actually a, a prince. Prince, I don't want to be a prince. I want to live a normal life. And so she, she here too, she says, hairdresser in-house, forget it. I don't want a hairdresser. And so this case is in fact more like lineage. And that's why the Bishamon says nothing, right? Because the first Mishnah, this is now easier to understand the structure. The first Mishnah, the one above that we were talking about, gold and silver, there the Bishamon disagrees because that has to do with more, better, more money. That's good. She, we assume she would agree. But then the next Mishnah is Kohen Levi. The one after that is about hairdressers. All those are cases where it's not necessarily better. A woman may agree, said, I wanted to marry you precisely because you are a mamzer. And that way I can keep you in check. Right? I didn't want someone of a higher lineage. I wanted someone of a lower. I wanted someone uh, who didn't have any live-in hairdressers, and she had. She would. She could be particular about that. Next, Tenora Banan. Amenat Shani Kariyana, Kevan Shakarasha Losha Pesukim, Bebet Knesset, Harezo Mikudeshet. Other cases of conditions. A guy comes and says, I'm Mikudeshet, I want to be Mikudeshet to you on condition that I am a reader. Uh, so, how much do you have to read to be a reader? Even if he read three Pesukim in Bet Knesset, right, one time for his Bar Mitzvah, he, uh, he, he uh, learned three Pesukim and he read that, so he is a reader. Okay, he doesn't know read so much, but he does, he did, he uh, fulfilled the minimum amount to be a reader. So then the Kiddushin is good. Not just read, he has to read it and be able to translate it. Um, and translating, we're talking about the official translation in, in uh, Beit Knesset back then. 
So one, the Baal Kodeh would read a pasuk, and then a translator would translate it. So he has to be able to also translate it with the unkelos, with the, uh, into the Aramaic, and be able to explain it properly, even if it's just three pesukim. So reading isn't just about you know reading mindlessly; it's also about understanding. Even three pesukim, that's fine. Now yitargemidate, we ask when it says translate, does that mean even if he can translate on his own, he can figure out what the words mean? We have an amazing, amazing statement by the Biuda. Someone who translates a pasuk literally according to its exact uh, shape, meaning meaning the literal wooden translation of the words, that person is a liar. Why a liar? Because if you ever try to translate from one language to another and you do it very literally, you're going to end up with something wrong because it does not doesn't mean the same thing in another language. Here it's even more than that. A pasuk has to be understood according to its traditional understanding um, of the oral law. If you take a pasuk, a law, and you translate it literally, well, then you're going to be a Sadducee or a Karaite, right? You have to interpret it according to Unkelus. Unkelus is not a literal translation. Unkelus will often add in certain particular explanations according to the Torah Shabbat Peh. So if you're going to translate everything exactly literally, then actually you're lying because that's not how the Pasuk is supposed to be understood. So that's you can't do that. Also, if you're going to add to it, you can say, well, the Pasuk is too uh, concise, the Hebrew is too concise, and I have to add to it in order to uh, elaborate and explain. Now, if you're going to elaborate and explain and add, you're going to end, end up cursing and blaspheming God. There's examples of Pesukim, where if you would interpret them in a more elaborate way, then it would come to all kinds of uh, terrible uh, explanations. Um, and so, therefore, it's no simple matter to translate and explain a pasuk, we can't say that, oh, as long as you can explain it on your own, you know, make up some explanation, then you're called a reader. No, it could be really bad, either if it's too literal, or if you add too much, a translation, and exp and, uh, which is always an explanation, has to be just right. So, what does it mean? Elamai targum, targum didan. We're talking about our translation, targum unkelos, it's not just any translation, this is an accepted, a official uh, translation of the Torah that is what's used in public for 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 teaching and uh, during the reading of the Sefer Torah you read the Hebrew original and you read Targum and Golos right that's the public received official legal translation so it has to be that translation not just any uh, random made-up translation that could be either liars, either a lie or a curse. We want to avoid that. Okay, very insightful uh, uh, meditation about the difficulties of translation. Now, with the three pesukim uh, um, a minimum, that's only if he says, I'm, uh, I, I'm a reader. But if he says, I am an expert on, on of mikra, kara'ana, right? I'm a, I'm a Tanakh expert. 
Well, then he has to know how to read properly Torah, Nevi'im, and Ketuvim uh, pres precisely. Right? That's different. Karyana, um, I'm a, you know, I'm, I, I, I read Torah. I know how to read. Okay, let's say three, oh, fine. But if he says, I'm an expert, the word Kara'im actually comes from this because they didn't have Torah Shabbat So that's all they had is Tanakh. So they called Kara'im. But the word actually comes here way before they ever were Kara'im. There were people that, I'm a Tanakh expert. I'm a Chidona Tanakh winner. Really? Okay, then you better know the whole Tanakh. Comes a person, a husband says, uh, be married to me on condition that I shone, I repeat. This is referring to oral law as opposed to, to kadiana or kara. So how much does he have to, what does he have to know? Chizkiah uh, says he has to know halachot, codified laws like Mishnayot. He has to know some Mishnayot. Rabbi Yochanan says he has to know Torah, that Shoneh also refers to the written Torah. He has to refer to no Chumash. We ask about that. Me'atibe, we're asking on uh, Rabbi Yochanan here. Ezohi Mishnah, what does Mishnah refer to? There are two opinions. Rabbi Meir Omer Halachot, Rabbi Yudah Omer Midrash. Rabbi Meir says it's referring to Halachot, meaning codified laws that are arranged according to the topic, like our, Mish our Mishnah. Rabbi Yudah says it's referring to Midrash, which is the oral interpretation of Torah, Midrash Halakha, like Sifra, Sifre, Mechilta. Okay, so Halachot, Mishnah, and what we call Midrash Halakha, Tanaitic Midrash, this is obviously referring to Tanaitic Midrash because it would be Meir and Beirudah or Tanaim. I got a uh, um, later Midrash from Amoraim, like Bemidbar Rabbah, Bereshit Rabbah, Vayikra Rabbah. That, we're not talking about that because those were not compiled yet in the time of the Beirudah. So this is a very interesting Machloket, right? Mishnah, in the sense of oral law, what does it primarily refer to? The codified, structured by topic. Um, halachot in the Mishnah, or is it referred to Midrash Halacha? Okay, these are two opinions. Neither of them say it's referring Torah, meaning chuma, written Chumash. So where does Rabbi Hakarabi Yochanan say that? My Torah, Midrash Torah. Oh, when Rabbi Yochanan said Torah, he didn't mean Pesukim of Chumash, he meant the Midrashim on the Torah, Mechilta, Sifra, Sifre. Okay, so in fact, they're arguing on the very, these two, Chizkiah um, and Rabbi Yochanan are arguing on along the very same lines as Rabbi Meir and Rabbi Yehuda. Now when it says that he just has to know a few halachot, that's if he says, I studied, I studied oral law. Okay, as long as you studied, right, so you studied Mishnah, oh fine, that's uh, good enough. Or you studied uh, some Midrash, fine, that's good enough. But if he says, I am a Tana, Tana here, not in the sense of, uh, like Rabbi Akiva, the people that uh, that lived in the Tanaitic era that are responsible for composing and compiling the Mishnah and Midrash Halacha. Here we mean Tana in the sense of a professional memorizer who lived in the times of the Amoraim. If he says, I am a Tana, I am an expert in oral law, then he has to know by heart not only the Halachot, meaning the Mishnayot, but also the Sifra, which is on Vayikra, Sifre, which is on the Bemidbar and Devarim, Tosefta, other, all the other Baraitot um, that, are not, that are not included in the Mishnah. He has to know all these things um, by heart to be a Tana. So that's parallel to the two types. Are you just a reader or are you an expert in Tanakh? Here, do you know? Do you know some oral law? Or are you an expert in oral law? Those are different categories. Almanachani Tamid. Some says, 
marry me on condition that I am a student. You don't have to be students like ben, Shimon Ben Azar and Shimon Ben Zoma. They were students, but they were very high level. A student means that you can ask him any question in the area that he's studying now. Right now, he's in the middle of studying Kiddushin. Ask him a question about Kiddushin. If he can answer within that, that's called a tamid, a talmid. Even if he's studying something easy, like a masechet kala. Masechet kala, right, uh, ni- ni- uh, nice, relatively easy laws. Um, that's fine. And that's what he's studying. And he knows, he asks him a question and he knows it. Then he's called a tamid. He doesn't have to know everything in the whole world to be a tamid. Someone says, be Mikodesh to me on the condition that I am a, I am Chacham, I am a scholar. So it doesn't have to be like the the paradigms of Chachamim, like in, in, in Yavne, or like Rabbi Akiva and his colleagues. Those are, uh, those are uh, unparalleled. But rather, any, anyone that you ask him something regarding some scholarship, and in any in any area, and he knows it. So Tamid knows whatever he's still he's, he's learning right now. Uh, Chacham has to know all areas. Another interpretation of Masechet Kala is not the minor tractate that we have now called Masechet Kala, but rather the Kala were two months during the year when uh, there was not much to do in the farm, and everybody would come in uh, to the loke, to the Bet Midrash and study a given Masechet. They would prepare it uh, during the other months, and they would come in and study it during in the in the fall and in the spring. So this is something that everybody's studying, and therefore, if a Talmud is called someone, if you can answer a question in the thing that everybody is studying, the common subject, then that's good enough to be a Tamid, which would be relatively easy, because everybody's talking about it, everybody's studying that, that's enough to be a Tamid, whereas a Chacham has to know everything. Other interpretations of everything is not just everything in Torah, but all kinds of wisdom, right? No matter what it is, um, what a Chacham would have to know all those kinds of knowledge. Another case, a man comes and says, marry me on condition that I am strong. You don't have to be as strong as Avner Bener, Yaben Siruya, who were with, uh, with uh, King Shaul or King David. You don't have to be the, these paradigms of famous, uh, mighty heroes, but rather as long as one's friends are afraid of him because he's stronger than, uh, than uh, most people around him, that's enough to call to be called Gibor. Someone says, marry me on condition that I am rich. So it doesn't have to be rich as these are famous sages that were known for their wealth. So you don't have to be as famous as Al-Ben Chassam and Al-Zab ben Azariah, but rather as long as the people in his village give him honor because they know him as being more wealthy than most, that's enough for being called rich. Marry me on condition that I am righteous. Even if he's a totally wicked person, he does only evil things all day and night, still the Kiddushin is good because maybe for a moment he thought of doing Teshubah and even that thought makes him 
for at least a little bit a sadiq for that moment and so it's good or if he says marry me on condition that i am wicked even if he's a total righteous person he does everything perfectly Still, the Kiddushin is good because maybe just at that moment he thought of doing Avodah Zarah. And the thought, even the thought of Avodah Zarah is itself a serious sin, which is really beautiful. Everybody has part Sadiq and part Asha, even someone who's totally one way, but the thought of something the other way. Um, is uh, is is uh, well is an exception uh, enough of an exception that they can be mikudeshet with that. Now we've been talking about characteristics, characteristics, good and bad of different of different people of grooms that say you know mikudeshet on condition that I have this good trade or not. So now we're going to make generalizations about entire countries and ethnicities and peoples. Some good, some negative. Uh, Gemara will be pretty equal opportunity um, uh, making very broad generalizations about people, um, but uh, some of them are negative. Uh, just a trigger warning. Okay, there are ten. There were ten measures of wisdom that came down to the world. Nine of them came down to Eretz Israel and one to the rest of the world. It's true. You go to Israel now and everybody has like three PhDs and they're a plumber, right? Everybody's like super smart there. Ten measurement measures of beauty came to the world. Nine of them are in Yerushalayim, beautiful city, and one the whole rest of the world has to share just one tenth. Ten measurements of uh, wealth came to the world. Rome has nine tenths of it, and the rest, the whole world, has to share. In fact, Rome would collect taxes, a huge empire, and all, all that, all those taxes would go to the city of Rome to build, you know, Colosseum and beautiful things there. The, of the ten measurements of poverty, nine tenths came went to Babel, especially the Jewish community in Babel. They were very poor and one to the rest of the world. Nine-tenths of uh, arrogance went to Elam. They're very arrogant people there and one-tenth to the rest of the world. Wait a second, we ask. But didn't, aren't, uh, didn't arrogance go to Babel? A lot of arrogant people there. And we have a proof from Zechariah. Zechariah sees a very strange nevuah of uh, two uh, women uh, carrying this tub, this measuring uh, bowl. So you just said that arrogance came to um, uh, ten, uh, came to Elam, but according to this, it came to Bavel. Why? Zechariah sees uh, these two women with a wind under their wings, and their wings were like that of a stork, and they lifted up this big measuring bowl between heaven and earth. And I asked Zechariah, says I asked the angel where are they taking it and they said to build her a house in Shin'ad and what is this uh, Shin'ad is Bavel and Biochanan says these women that are going to this place represent 
flattery and arrogance and so you see arrogance go went to Babel um, uh, not not uh, here um, uh, that says Elam so didn't they go to Babel um, so that's the, that's the question the answer is in the you're right they did they landed in Babel but they didn't stay there then the uh, arrogance made its way uh, there to Elam. And you can see that in the Pasuk it says, we're going here to build a house in Shinad in Bavel, but that means that they were planning to be there, but that was the original intention, but then they changed and end up going elsewhere. So uh, that's how we explain this Pasuk, even though the reality uh, afterwards is that the arrogance is in Elam, not in Bavel. Ini, hold on, another challenge. The, the uh, one a sign of arrogance is poverty. When you see poverty and arrogance, they go together. And you said that poverty is in Bavel. So therefore, arrogance must also be in Bavel and not Ilam. My Aniyut, so we say no. And this is Aniyut here in this statement. We're not talking about a, a monetary poverty, rather Aniyut the Torah, poverty in knowledge of Torah. And so in Babel, they were physically, they were monetarily impoverished, but people impoverished are not, are not uh, uh, necessarily arrogant, they're generally not arrogant. Uh, rather, it's people that are, have no knowledge of Torah. They're, they're, they're ignoramuses, and they compensate for their, uh, for their uh, lack of knowledge by, by uh, making themselves arrogant. And we see that that's true for Elam, that they don't have Torah there, because uh, the Pasuk and Shira Shirim that's talking about a sister who's not developed, the Bilchanan says, is talking about Elam, this undevelopment of the uh, sister is uh, analogy to Elam where they learned Torah but they never taught it. You see, they did not have Torah scholars there and so their um, lack of Torah, uh, poverty in Torah goes hand in hand with their arrogance. Uh, Nine-tenths of strength in the world went to the Persians. Uh, Madai has a lot of lice, nine-tenths of all the lice. Egypt has nine-tenths of witchcraft. Nine-tenths of disease and plagues are found in pigs. Nine-tenths of licentiousness. Uh, went to Arabia. Asara kabim azut yaradu laolam. Tisha natla meshan. Nine tenths of brazenness went to Meshan, a place near Bavel. Asara kabim sicha yadulam. Tisha natlu nashim. Nine tenths of talkativeness went to women. Um, all the men in the world have to only share one tenth of speaking. Asara kabim shichirut yadulalam. Tisha natlu kushim. Nine tenths of drinking went to the kushim. Nine tenths of uh, sleep went to the world, went down to the world, and uh, service slaves took nine tenths of it. They are well, they're slaves, so they don't have a lot of um, uh, a, a, a lot of prospects to go and take initiative and do things on their own because they're just uh, you know they don't make any money. Um, so they uh, sleep often, and uh, the rest of the world took the other one tenth. Baruch Adonai Leolam. Amen. Amen.